Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And now here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Springer. Please don't get up. <laughs> don't get up, please. Please. <laughs> hey, you know, coming down here, driving down, uh, and even as you came into the room, the, the whole feel is different. The tone, you, you even look kind of ashen. Did something <laughs> happen that... More so than usual. ...that yeah. you what? feel you want to talk about or should talk about? Well, I, I just want to get it off my chest, but it, it was unsettling, to be honest. It was... Uh, I'm, you know, on, on Mondays and Tuesdays, I do my show in Connecticut. Well, that's unsettling in itself, yeah. doing my show, but... <laughs> Um, the rest of the week, I'm on the road hosting The Price is Right, and we do it in cities around the country, in theaters and casinos. Anyway, so this past weekend, Saturday, I did the show in Albuquerque, and Sunday night, I did it in El Paso. The show ends at about 10 o'clock at night. I run to the airport, get on my plane, and 10.30 is already half past midnight on the East Coast, and it's a four-hour flight till I get to Connecticut. And I landed actually in White Plains, New York. So I at four in the morning, and I, I'm I'm tired, you know. So at four in the morning, the plane lands. The airport is barren. Obviously, four in the morning, there are no flights. We land, open the door on the plane, and as I step off, this is a private jet. Yeah, yes. okay. yeah, oh, and yeah. it's a private we're, airport. Yeah, we're not in a commercial situation here. No. <laughs> oh, you you don't have your own plane? No. Loser. You know the holidays are coming up yeah. here. Okay. <laughs> So I get off the plane, and as soon as I step out on the steps there, eight to ten, maybe twelve, who was counting, police cars surround the plane, the lights going, the sirens, people come out with their guns, and dogs. Oh, my God. This is not a joke. I'm not joking. This is, I swear to God, this happened. So I get off, and I, I said, what the, you know, and then... The, the cops, they saw who, uh, you know, they recognized me. So I say, oh, oh, oh sorry, Mr. Springer, but if you just step over there. So it wasn't like, oh, we're sorry, you know, we made a mistake. No, it's a sorry, could you step over there? So I stepped there, and then VJ and Danny, you know, the pilot and co-pilot, the three of us are standing there. VJ's getting ready to do one of his Obama jokes, and I oh, said, geez. not a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, just <laughs> stop. Can it? Just be quiet. <laughs> And so we're standing there, and they have dogs, and they're sniffing around, and then they say, who owns the plane? I said, I did. They said, is it okay? Do we have permission to go on the plane with, a, you know, with the dogs or whatever? So what am I going to say? No. <laughs> you know, that, that's not going to end well. So I said, sure. And so they went on. They're on there, honestly, for 15 minutes, and they don't tell you what, what they're doing. And, you know, I'm totally innocent of anything. And, you know, I mean, I'm thinking drugs. Right. You know, not a bomb. I'm thinking they're looking for drugs. And, you know, I, I never touch this stuff. So I, I'm innocent. But it's interesting. Even if you're totally innocent, when you see all those cops being real serious and they've got the guns and they've got the dogs, you start to think, what, what have I done? I must have done something. <laughs> you know, because you, you never believe. Yeah, and I was really <laughs> nervous. And I'm thinking, I, I couldn't have done anything wrong this time. So, this time. So, uh <laughs> And then they, for 20 minutes, are sniffing around. Then they made, made us open up our case, you know, because the dog is sniffing around, apparently, for drugs. And then they told me to open my brown bag. 
Whoa. And the only thing they found was my Metamucil. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So the, the dog found my Metamucil. <laughs> How embarrassing. That's so bad. Yeah, I would have rather it had been a drug. Yeah. Springer yeah. arrested him. Can you imagine the cops all going back to the beat now? Hey, let me tell you what Springer has. Yeah. <laughs> That's all they, they Thank God they didn't find my Depends. But yeah. anyway. <laughs> so they... Ooh. So they... No, but... Uh, and that, well, the, the story ends up, but they never tell you, they never you tell you what out? it was. And here's what our theory is. And after I talked to some other police officers the next day, we landed every night. I'm in a different city with a plane. And the last place I came from that evening was El Paso, which is on the Mexican border. Oh, yeah. In fact, the hotel I was staying at, at the end of the street was the gate where you walk into Mexico. So they're probably thinking that maybe, and I think I'd, so naive, I don't even know what the term, I didn't know what the term was, but apparently they thought maybe I was the mule. You were the mule, yep. Yeah, wow. in other words, some guys up to no good down there when I'm not watching the plane, I'm doing a show, the plane's just sitting there, someone could put stuff on our plane, yeah. hide it on the plane, and then when you land in white plane, some other guys that are involved, mm -hmm. they pick it up. I mean, that's how they transfer their drugs. So that's what I'm thinking happened, but it is... Honestly, it is a scary, scary notion. Hell, yeah. You know, I don't know if you read the book Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky, but there is a <laughs> that's what, That's there exactly what came there. to my mind yeah. as I'm standing there at 4 o'clock in the Do morning. Is there anything you want to tell us, your yeah. friends, Megan and me, or and the whole yeah. country, about anything? No. <laughs> that, that's the easy answer. Yeah, for sure, no. But I did ask that question to VJ as we're standing yeah, there. Right, yeah. I need to know. I did. I said that. I swear yeah. to God. I said to VJ, I, you know, and I wasn't joking. I said, seriously, you know, no, you, you live your own guy. life, but is there anything we should know? I should know in terms of what they're going to ask you. You don't have to worry plane. about VJ or Danny. No, right? fine. Yeah, yeah, now you're the hero yeah. saying that no. into the mic. But anyway. Hey, wait a second, David. We got a, uh, a call from Senator Tip Kemper. Oh You're kidding. Not, not, from that no. state senator guy? Yeah, yes. So Would you guys weird. mind taking a phone call? Oh, well, we'll my gosh. We'll, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. We'll go, yeah, we'll go ahead and take oh, it. This but guy is he, a nut job. Well, for those that hadn't heard, yes. remember his oh, yeah, What was his last idea? Last one was the Everybody Swims, where everybody who had a pool in the United States had to allow inner-city children to be bused to their pool, and then, right. the, then they would get a voucher. And you, so, so essentially, yeah. people were entertaining. And you had to, right, if you owned a pool. Above you, or in ground. You had to permit ten people from the ten kids from the inner city to swim in your pool, and you had to provide them with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a towel and a towel. Yes, and his one before that was read write, where everybody in the United States had to read a book and and write a book report on it or be fined and handed in at the local post and office. And handed in at the you local had post one, office. One, you had to read one book a month. Yeah, every yeah. American had yeah, to read one. This guy is he's a nitwit. Thanks for calling. Well, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I always appreciate it, bro. You're one of the few uh, podcast people. Uh, willing to uh, put me on the air, and I appreciate it. But look, uh, I'm calling with something that's very serious. There are statistics from the Department of Transportation yeah. that show that 62% of fatalities with automobiles are caused by people making left turns in front of traffic. So I'm uh, pushing forward what? a bill, the state senator Tip Kemper, no left turn bill 
Yeah, that's not going to... No. no one would be permitted to make a left turn. You would have to reach your destination <laughs> but what if a this... series of right-hand turns. What if you happen to live on the left, okay. uh, you know, down the block on the left-hand side? Then you turn around and come back on the right-hand side. But what if it's a one way the other way? No, let's ask You don't ever get home. <laughs> Senator, have you thought this through? <laughs> I... well, see, Mr. Springer, you always, when I call, want to flash your law degree <laughs> and try to outsmart your fancy a state learning. senator. <laughs> and uh, I, I really hadn't considered that, to yeah. be honest. So you're saying it would be illegal to make a left-hand turn? Right. I think we could save a lot of lives uh, that way. But Mr. Uh, Springer, can I ask you a question? Yeah. I go to your website a lot, and I know that you have a uh, promotion going where somebody's going to be selected to date uh, oh, Marilyn. No, no. Oh, no, Megan. Megan. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I was just wondering if uh, maybe uh, I could be considered no, for that. And I well, wait a second. Why are you no, calling? No, I thought cannot. you're calling on no left turns. He wants to, you're calling because you <laughs> want to date with Megan. What am Senator, I, uh, Mr. Springer? Come on, I've now, been Senator. married. I've been married four times, and the four women that I've been married to are. Uh, Do you know Kim Davis? <laughs> We've got the perfect. Oh, uh, I actually uh, think she's uh, rather fetching. I've seen her on the television. Oh, my. Okay, well, I don't think that we have anything else to talk to him about. Should, well, Megan, he's, this <laughs> no, is a senator. No, this no, senator. no. It looks no, good no. on your resume. No, 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 Have no. you ever been out with a senator? I have not. That you want to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> no. We I, could be making news right here. We could be right now. As much as I appreciate the compliment, Senator Tiff Kemper, please don't call me anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think that's going to work, Senator, yeah, but uh, yeah. good luck on your on your bill. Have you found anyone who supports it in the Senate? Well, not yet, no, but I'm making calls around. Uh, I, I want to thank you for the call, and, and uh, uh, Miss uh, Megan, there's really no reason for an injunction. Uh, please don't. No yeah. reason to talk to any attorney. Mm -hmm. Do we know what cease and desist means, sir? Can we can we just go ahead and leave yeah. it at that? And we'll, we'll just... Yeah, thank you very much. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Jeez, old the, Pete. I mean, honestly, he's... He sits around all day, just writes these harebrained ideas, calls... Is, do you think he's calling into other podcasts and radio shows, pitching this stuff, too? I don't... Well, I, as he said, no other podcast would take in the calls. <laughs> We're the only one Gives you an idea of where we are on the list. Did you hear that, Gene? That guy is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's that nuts. That guy's nuts. Uh, hey, I wanted to ask you something. Uh, the, when I saw that John Boehner resigned, is resigning from the speakership and is yes. not going to run for Congress the next uh, go-round, I thought of uh, the truth of something that you had done relative to John Boehner. And I thought, what the heck? You got a podcast, pull the curtain back and let people see, know some things and uh, see how the process works. The fact of the matter is about two years ago. So this is in real time. This is recent times. Yeah. yeah you two and a half years. Yeah. Two and a half years ago. Yeah. It was right. Cause Mike was still around. So it was, it, I'd say it was early 2013. And you gave consideration, you gave a serious look, though hardly anybody knew it, of running, of moving back to Cincinnati, where you have a long history as a politician and yep. as a news anchor and as an entertainer as well, of running against John Boehner in Ohio's 8th District. I know this because you have a small political team. It was Mike Ford, God rest his yep. soul, wonderful close friend of yours and of mine, yeah. and he was your political guru your whole life from the time that right. you first ran for Congress yep. and a whole series of runs, a lot of successful runs. 
So uh, Mike Ford, I know, worked on this. You did a little research. You and I drove around the district to see yeah, the how counties. This, yeah, how this all, all came about is it was uh, right after, it was over the Christmas holidays of the year before, you know, a few months earlier. It was, and I got an email from the then chairman of the Ohio Democratic Party, uh, Chris Redford. Right. And out of nowhere, he sent me an email, said, would if I would consider running at the time against John Boehner. And initially, it didn't make any sense because, first of all, it is the, one of the most Republican counties, uh, districts in the country, much less Ohio. And secondly, he's Speaker of the House. So it would be a fool's errand, I thought, to even run uh, against him. You know, his theory was, well, it's in the Cincinnati area and I have a, somewhat of a base. So... I could make a race of it where maybe a traditional Democrat wouldn't. And even if I didn't win, it may force him to spend some money, the state party to spend some money, which would be taken away then from money they would spend in other races. So that was the theory. Personally, well, there's not a day in my life I don't think, oh, gosh, I would, you know, I mean, that, the greatest job I ever had was being mayor. And, you know, the idea that one day to be in Congress or the Senate. I mean, I think about it all the time so that people close to me, as you know, you know, get sick and tired of me always talking about it, thinking about it. So, sure, if God came to me and said, I'm going to you no longer have any responsibilities to anybody. Just do exactly what you want and don't care about anything else. Well, yeah, then I would pursue that win or lose. But I hadn't yet had an extension on my contract for the show. So it was still possible to look for what will I be doing in my later years, and being in Congress sounded like great. When we went around the district, one, it is hopelessly Republican. Secondly, even if, you know, the people that would tell me to run were right, and for, by some miracle I, I could have beaten John Boehner, which I don't think I could have. I mean, his resources, Speaker of the House, or would be unending. He'd never run out of money, mm -hmm. okay? So even if it were possible, I remember the discussions, and I remember even not arguing with Mike, but telling him, I say, look, if John Boehner gets defeated, the Republicans are still going to control Congress, and they will choose a new speaker, and the new speaker will be more conservative than Boehner, which is exactly what's going to happen now. So it, it, there's no benefit. Who benefits other than I have a job I really like, which isn't a reason to have public service. So that's why the decision ultimately was no. And then when the issue was raised last week in roll call and the yeah, roll call Associated Press contacted you, some and newspapers, asked. et cetera. Yes. And they said, your name has come up. Uh, would, you, uh, would you consider running? And I said, I don't live in Ohio. So it's not even an issue today. I live in Sarasota, so it's not even an issue. My life has moved elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I'm still very active politically and in the party and give money and give speech and do all that. I, you know, that is my passion in life other than family is, is politics and the liberal politics and the Democratic Party. So I'll continue to be active, but I don't need to run for office. That is totally self-serving to... I want an office. You know, what is that going to make me rich? Is it going to make me famous? I mean, what's, you know. Let me ask you one other question. And we're real excited because we have Anna and Elizabeth tonight who are some really special performers from Virginia and Maryland. But before we turn to them. Yes. Let me ask you one other question relative to the Boehner situation. 
uh, as a political analyst, and you are that, whether you want to be or not, you're very good at it. So what do you think it means that Boehner, do you assume that Boehner got pushed aside? And if so, why? And what does that mean, good or bad, for the country? Well, there is a civil war going on in the Republican Party. There is no question he got pushed aside. That doesn't mean if he chose to fight that he could still get enough votes to hang on. Mm -hmm. He could have hung on, but he'd be totally without power as he's been in the last two years because the Republican Party is divided and they, they can't put together enough votes to override um, the president. So, you know, he, he's weakened. But interestingly enough, this civil war that's going on in the Republican Party between the establishment Republicans and the uh, Tea Party types, the right wing, is that, in a sense, Mitch McConnell brought it on himself, and now he's going to be the next target. The day after Barack Obama was elected president, in, or the day after he was sworn in, so it was the 21st of January, 2009, there was a dinner held in Washington, hosted by Mitch McConnell, where he said to the rest of the leadership, we will block anything that President Obama does. That is our mission. We want him to fail. That was the quote. Yep. And it was recorded, and it's been reported undeniable. In fact, Mitch McConnell doesn't deny it because there was a tape of it. He said, we will block anything the president does. We want him to fail. We have to win the next election. So what he did is created or gave impetus to the movement of let's vote no on anything the administration proposes. That gave impetus to the right wing that believes in no government, believes in blocking anything the government does. And that's why they can't even, or they had trouble passing a bill just to keep, they were real, willing to shut the government down. The American government, they were willing to shut it down because they wanted to get their one issue through. And now, so M Mitch McConnell can't get anything done. And now they're going to go after him. He created this monster, and now they're going to go after him. And I, and I think they may wind up being successful, but the Republican Party is destroyed in terms of what it wanted to be. It is two separate parties. It is the establishment party, which is economic. They are concerned about their money, but they realize they are the party of the rich, but they realize there are not enough rich people in America to win an election. So the way the establishment rich party gets the rest of the people to vote for them is to go cultural. And so ever since Nixon or later Reagan, they have reached out to the people that aren't rich, but get them on cultural issues. And the trade-off is join our party, support us on our tax policies, which will let us be rich, and we will support you on gay marriage, on abortion, on religion, on all these cultural issues. And that's how the Republicans are managed to win the House and win the Senate is because culturally, for 20, 30 years, America has been, or poor people that, or middle-income people that you would think economically should be Democrats, and we Democrats are always asking, why are these people voting with the Republicans against their interests? It's because they're with them on the, on the cultural issues. Well, now what is happening, the reason there's a civil war in the Republican Party, 
the wealthy establishment Republican Party, the people on the top, could not deliver on the cultural issues. They've lost on gay rights. They've lost on Planned Parenthood. They've lost on all these liberal issues. And so now, all of a sudden, these angry people that are going for Trump are suddenly saying, wait a second. Don't come and talk to us, Mitch McConnell. Don't come and talk to us, wealthy senator, Republican senators. You haven't given us anything. We hate all of government. We're ready to shut everything down. So what we're seeing is the end of the Republican Party as we've known it. That doesn't mean that they won't win the next election. They won't win as long as we, the Democrats don't blow themselves up. But if we can stay true and not have any major scandals or something like that, we ought to have a Democratic president uh, in You're sitting year. in Kentucky. Would you announce, announce your candidacy against Mitch McConnell? <laughs> and so I am announcing today. <laughs> but hey, I think they're going to go after McConnell. I really do. I, you know, he may hold on, but it, it, he's on a short leash. Yeah. All right. We have tonight with us Anna and Elizabeth, and we're excited about this because they come with great reputations. And oh. uh, uh, you have a great reputation. You can't be here. Yeah. <laughs> we better go. <laughs> you're on the Jerry Springer. So Anna, you were from uh, the Baltimore area. That's where I live. Yeah. Okay, and Elizabeth from Virginia, correct? Yeah, a small town called Rural Retreat, Virginia. Do a song, and then we want to ask you a bunch of questions about okay. uh, about the song, what you guys do about the song, right. and uh, a lot of that. other stuff. Called Going Across the Mountain, and it's a song we learned from a recording of um, uh, a fella who lived in Beach Mountain, North Carolina. And he said this was um, a story about uh, his ancestor who uh, marched north from North Carolina to fight in the Union in the Civil War.
across the mountain Oh, fare you well Going across the mountain Oh, fare you well Going across the mountain Oh, fare you well Going across the mountain Oh, fare you well Whoa! That's wonderful. I should say that uh, and tell you, Megan and Jerry, this afternoon I came down to the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky, and I got to say it again. This place is evolving so cool. as an amazing place. And one of the reasons is this afternoon at 4.30, Anna and Elizabeth did a harmony workshop here. There so were a there lot were, of people singing in this room earlier. Oh, yeah. it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And there, this room had 20, 25 people in a big circle, and these ladies were basically teaching how to do harmony and there were good singers in the room yeah. would you agree yes indeed it sounded really cool. fantastic. can you teach can you teach bad singers to do harmony yeah. <laughs> yes we can well, part how of bad <laughs> how bad yeah. Yeah, how bad <laughs> we'd love to learn yeah. we'd really love to learn <laughs> mm. here's something else about them and i'd like you guys to talk about this for a second if you would Shoot. Uh, because they also did a concert here in the back behind yeah. the Folk School the Coffee garage, Parlor in right the garage. Again, this place, If everybody listening, if you're coming through the Midwest, the Cincinnati area, you've got to stop here. This place yeah. is, is uh, special. So you, do, you guys do a thing called crankies. We do. A cranky is um, an old form of moving picture entertainment. Uh, it oh. evolved oh. from uh, a fad 150 years ago. Um, and uh, they were, they're large, back then there were large oil paintings and you'd put it, like there's one a thousand feet long and eight feet tall and you'd put it in this frame and you would tell a story or to give a lecture and you would scroll it around. And people would use that to talk about uh, big adventures or actually there's one that a politician commi commissioned in, uh, in he Atlanta. was, this is, yeah, so he was fought in the Battle of Atlanta yeah. And then he would like was like I'm a hero, and wow. so he commissioned these painters to make this giant. It's the largest oil painting in the world, and that it was, was the size of a football field. And it took 300 horses to bring from one place Whoa. to another. Holy and that was his like campaign for running for office. So instead of TV ads, he like, had this, this is giant how great I am. painting, <laughs> this That's panoramic really cool. painting. So that was I an old theater. Of that. So, yeah. Too. yeah, but but the ones that we make are the ones we make are 18 inches tall. Yeah, they're not eight <laughs> feet, and they're they're not political. They're, they're they they the illustrate. Um, yeah, they illustrate. Sometimes oral histories and sometimes uh -huh. old ballads from the mountains songs. that we do. So if there's a, an old English ballad, let's say, or an old Let, mountain yeah. song that yeah. moved from the Isles to America, to here, yeah. you guys and you guys are artists as well. So you do yeah, the illustrations, we yeah, them and then you backlight it, yeah, so and then you turn this crank and the and the story is scrolled so across cool. in this yeah, frame. It's super yeah. lo-fi. Ah, it's amazing. <laughs> it is. They do. They use that in theater a lot too. It's a good. It's a really cool technique. Yeah. It's it's surprising how captivating it is, yeah. given yeah. how lo-fi. So, is. and you'll go into schools with these, or do yeah. you? Yeah, nice. yeah. Like, of course, kids love them, but adults turn into kids and then love them. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Them. Now we what should also say niche? you guys have really, you know, I give you high praise. You've great reputation. You've been on NPR's Tiny Desk concert. You're coming up on Mountain Stage, another mm -hmm. NPR show in the fall, correct? Yeah. We're just NPR fiends. 
Yeah, there <laughs> you go. Cool. Well, we are as oh, well. Um, <laughs> and and you're kind of musicologist, aren't you? I mean, you really sure. study this. We'll, we'll take that. We'll yeah. take it. <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, we definitely we could be called folklorists, but we we do we do do research. We like that a lot. Yeah, that's a big. Because it's, you, know, it's old. you mean not... you you know what you're talking about? <laughs> what's, we know what's you that don't like? know what that feels like. <laughs> that's why, that we're, that's feel why like? we're not going to become politicians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, hey, easy. Oh, get off peanut gallery. And the harmonies you do are fantastic. They can really we are. can we hear another they one? Sure. Do another um, song. Yeah. Thanks. This is one actually from. It's kind of local, and it mentions Columbus, um, Ohio. Uh, and it's uh, a song that a great uh, all-female all string band played in uh, Kentucky. They were called the Coon Creek Girls. And in the 30, in 1938, they were invited by the president at the time, Roosevelt, to visit the White House on the occasion of the king and queen's visit. Nice. And yeah. so they, as a band, they went uh, from Kentucky to, to D.C. And this is one of the songs that they sang. Elizabeth and their website yeah, is Anna and Elizabeth.com. Yep. And by the way, 
during your harmony workshop, ah. I, I loved how you guys talked about how two voices when you're doing two part harmony, you got to meet each other with equal power yes. coming from both sides. <laughs> One can't dominate the other. Right. Mm -hmm. And you guys have been singing harmony together for how long? About four, four or five years. years. Yeah, four or five yeah. years. How did, how did you guys meet? Did you go to school well, we together? We're both living in southwest Virginia in little yeah. towns, and there's not always a lot of other young people playing music, especially young women. So right. when we met, we kind of gravitated towards each other, yeah. just, you know, we shared a lot like, of ideas I, about. New friend who likes songs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. How long was it before you knew that you had two voices that really fit well, together we nicely? we started designing our show like af right after we met. So really? We, yeah. We, we knew, you know, a lot of this music is um, like, what is our, what is our heritage as Americans or, you know, what, what can you learn from, from the old people around you? You know, I think our culture now is, is really segregated by, by age a lot of the time. Yeah. And mm -hmm. as young people, you're only around young people, and you, you don't... Well, we appreciate you talking, <laughs> talking to us. Yeah, that's, actually, that's actually why we're on the show right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I think, why did you say? <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I think that, uh, you know, so we, when we met, we, were, we started talking about that. Like, how do you engage people in, in this old music and kind of in celebrating, you know, trying to figure out where we come from and how we got to where we are now. Well, that's so much a part uh -huh. of, of this kind of music to begin with. I yeah. mean, the, the whole yeah. concept of folk music is the music of the people talking about their lives and what it's been exactly. like. It's, it's something know. that's like, passed on. Yeah. I like yeah. having the, the women in it, too. Like, we hear so... I mean, not that the men aren't fantastic. We've had right. some fantastic <laughs> groups yeah. on there. They're great. That's true. But yeah. it's so... I love your voices mixed so Thank beautifully you. together. Thank yeah. you. And the next thing Different you're going to want to give women the boat. Oh, right. uh, <laughs> I don't even think that's worth joking about, honestly. Thank you. I now, Sienna, I agree with that. I'm calling bullshit. Thank right you. Well, I have way. been put in my place. Yes, yeah. you have, sir. I like her. It is. <laughs> Can we keep her? Can we keep her? Yeah. And it's so neat to see young yeah. people, and as yeah, Megan says, young women. There's a new are, explosion, I would say. Yeah, yeah there, there is, the isn't last, there? And I've connected to some of the like the movies about it. Old Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I yeah, think yeah, kickstarted a lot of it. And yeah, I think with people our age in their twenties, there's like all of a sudden. I think most of us started eight years ago. About hmm. and there's just all of a sudden it was the people who are a little older than us were like, I thought there wouldn't be any young people, and then all of a sudden, uh, everyone was yeah. like, We need some grit I and some simplicity in my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard of a group called Mountain Men, Three Women? Mountain Men, yeah. yeah okay. From Vermont. That's correct. And yeah. I wondered if, since you guys do what you do, there yeah. are similarities, are there not, with yeah. what they're mm -hmm. doing? Totally, totally. Okay. They Curious. are similar. Yeah. Singing uh, ladies. <laughs> would, we are ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's two similarities Good right there. Job, Other team. similarities, yeah. of course. Hey, by the way, you... And I've heard others at Folk School Coffee Parlor who know yeah. more about uh, the younger form of folk music than I do. But you guys really have a shot, and I don't know if this is your shot. goal. We of, are we're here. Really, we've arrived on no. the new Springer show. Yeah. Oh, good Does it get any about? bigger than this? Come on. Good Lord. We're going to retire after tonight. Yeah. <laughs> this is our last thing. This is Put the this peak. on your resume, oh. and that'll, yeah. At the top. <laughs> You can rattle off some names like Gillian Welch or even yeah. Emmylou yeah. Harris, people who've been around for a while, oh, yeah. Allison Krauss, etc. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are are that tight and uh, good that I'm wondering you. if well, it's time passes. And do you hold that as a goal that you'd like to? Well, I'll tell you a very short story. 
which is that I was in an, an archive in Berea on listening to the story of a woman who lived near Covington, actually, named Blanche Coldiron. And, um, and she went on tour when she was 15, back in the 30s. And they used to tour all of the small towns in Kentucky. They were on the radio in Lexington. And then they would pl- go town to small town and play, and people would gather at the you know, at the uh, like schoolhouse, and they would pack the schoolhouse. That story means a lot to me because I think you get that a lot where people are like, oh, are you trying to make it? And I think in a really global world, people think like success is like, well, if you become wicked famous and you're on all this national stuff, which is obviously awesome to have that platform, but this idea of like that every time you play music for someone who needs it, that that's why we do that's what we success. do every day. And yeah, yeah. That that's is a great success definition for us. of it. Yeah. Yeah, Good and thinking yeah. about well, Good for you. Well, speaking of old time music, would you take us out on sure. Irene Goodnight? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. I'll try to carry what, you guys. What key do you do it in, Jerry? Uh, L sharp. L sharp. Yeah. Oh, my guitar doesn't have that many frets. I, know, sharp. I, I think sharp. D for David. Mm, D for David. D for David. I sure. D for Democrat. Democrat. Yeah. There we go. Oh. oh. See, so you know, there's no R key, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would be off key. It Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com.